Mesut Ozil has been left out of Arsenal's Europa League squad. And is Stan Kroenke finally backing his manager? We're going to be discussing those things and whatever else comes up in the live chat. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast sponsored by Manscaped.com. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. I'm delighted to be joined on this evening's show. Uh, although you can't see him, I am being joined uh, by Mike Stavrou from Metro Sport. Mike, it's been a while. How you been, mate? Mate, I'm so happy to be back. Uh, I just want to say congratulations. You know, hit one million views on YouTube. Um, you know, fantastic channel, fantastic fan base. Hello to everyone out there. And yeah, let's get let's get going. Let's do this. Thank you very much, mate. Much appreciated. And you've contributed to this channel along the way as well. So thank you to you and of course to everybody else who's contributed and to the people, obviously the most important people, the ones that tune in uh, time and time again to listen to us uh, spout off our thoughts about Arsenal Football Club. Uh, just a quick heads up before we delve into things. If you haven't already, please hit that like button, hit the subscribe button. If you're new to the channel, we are fast approaching 10,000 subscribers. And as promised, when we get there, We'll be giving away an Arsenal home shirt for free uh, to one of you guys. We'll be putting a little competition out there where you guys can have uh, have a go at. And we'll be picking a winner at random uh, from those who prov uh, provide the correct answer. So very much looking forward to that as well. Right, Mike, let's start off with the big uh, talking point. And of course, Mesut Ozil, we know he's a divisive figure. He seems to be in the headlines whether he's playing or not. Um, and that is the case again today, of course, we had suspicions yesterday, but Arsenal's Europa League squad was officially announced today. And the German has not been included, along with Socrates, um, which I think is one we probably predicted. But no Ozil. What are your thoughts on this uh, sort of just generally? And then we'll get into it in a little bit more detail. Yeah, to be completely honest, Harry, I saw it coming because obviously he's not been reintroduced back into the squad. Hasn't played since March, I think. Um, his future sort of hangs in the balance. We probably know by now that he's not going to stay beyond his contract, but he's always said that he's going to stay to the end. And then all of a sudden he's not in the squad. There's news coming out about that um, Arsenal might even try to negotiate to, to terminate his contract early. Um, so for me personally, in terms of the squad, I wasn't shocked. Um, but am I disappointed? Yeah, of course, because obviously, you know, taking out the, the money equation, which I'm sure we could talk about to the cows come home, but just in terms of what we actually need on the pitch, we didn't sign that creative, um, you know, number eight uh, slash number 10 that we wanted in our world. We got party over something different, but in terms of who you'd want to give us that creativity that we so clearly lacked, uh, evidenced by the Sheffield United game, I'm sure you'd agree. Ozil is the guy that may be in the, the games against the teams that are going to give us a low block uh, at home. You could throw him in, but, you know, for whatever reason, obviously we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, what conversations have been had between him and the club, but um, he's, he's not been played and we don't know whose decision that is. It's that with, with, with the Ozil situation, and we've discussed it many times, there's a lot of unknowns there. But what we do know is that he has qualities that he can offer, but he's not been allowed to do that. 
Agreed. And, and, and to a degree, it feels like we finally got that midfield player in Thomas Partey, who we're going to come on to speak about a little bit later. But we finally found that midfielder who could pro- perhaps provide the basis that somebody like Mesut Ozil needs to flourish. And it's happened at a time where Mesut Ozil isn't in the picture, which is a little bit frustrating. But there was an interesting clip. I don't know if you've seen it, Mike, that was floating around social media with Ozil in training, laughing, joking. Shares a little fist bump as well um, with Mikel Arteta. Perhaps I'm reading into that a little bit too much. But does that suggest that actually Mesut Ozil's issue is not with Mikel Arteta and Mikel Arteta is not? sort of upset with Mesut Ozil does that can we read into that at all yeah I mean I don't know it's a bit of a difficult one because as as I said we're not privy to the information that goes on I always think that um like the manager picks the team I I don't know many many situations in this this could be the case we, we don't know but I don't think the actual board or hierarchy would say to Arteta you know don't pick Ozil so I think it is his idea. So in, in, in that sense, what you're saying, I, I don't really think I agree with you. But from my point of view, and I'm not trying to hate on Ozil, but I think there's a bit of PR going on here because let's not forget, he is, a, he is still a player that wants to go on and play football. He's not just given up. He's not just said, I'm 31, I'm finished with football. He's finished with Arsenal, as, as it seems. But he wants to, you know, uh, keep his brand going. He doesn't want to seem like the villain. He doesn't want to make people feel that, oh, you know, I'm not deciding to play and I'm on this much money and I'm sitting at home playing Fortnite or whatever. He wants to <laughs> maintain his brand, you know. So um, with the Gonosaurus thing the, the other day, I saw that as a little bit of PR as well. And I, I don't I, I don't know if people agree with me there, but I thought this is a chance where he can sort of get people back on side who might not be on his side and might be thinking that he's, you know, wasting away and wasting his time. So I'm in, I'm in the other camp, to be honest. I felt like with the Gunnosaurus thing and, and I sort of discussed it briefly on, on this week's edition of the Social Club. But, you know, I guess I felt like a little bit conflicted with that because on the one hand, we know that Mesut Ozil does a lot for charity. We know that Mesut Ozil, you know, does that kind of thing. We also know that when Mesut Ozil was sort of a little bit, well, I'm not going to say a little bit, when he refused to take a pay cut, essentially, it was because, well, from his story anyway, he wanted to know that that money was actually going to save jobs. So whilst I feel like he's obviously got the right intentions, you're right when you say it was a PR thing because he didn't have to publicise that, did he? He could have gone to the club and said, keep the guy on, I'll pay his wages, um, you know, behind the scenes, if it was just purely out of the goodness of his heart. But it feels like Mesut Ozil has seen this as an opportunity to embarrass the club to publicly shame the club and I guess to kind of reiterate his point that he's been banging on about for the last few months which is actually I was all for letting my money go if I knew it was going to save jobs but you know the the fact that Arsenal did make those redundancies then went and spent 30 odd million on Gabriel then went and bought Thomas Partey for 45 million without actually recuperating a great deal of funds in terms of sales it kind of proved him right to a degree. And so that's why I'm kind of in the middle on this. Yes, he's used it as a PR opportunity and an opportunity to prove his point. But I also can't sit here and say with any degree of certainty that it was just that. Because we know Mesut Ozil is someone who does a lot in that space, isn't he? He is a footballer who contributes a lot to society. Maybe not here in the UK necessarily, 
but in other places. So I don't know. I'm a little bit torn on that. But I mean, we, you know, we know that the Premier League squad has to be trimmed down as well. We know that we've got 19 non-homegrown players and we can only go with 17. Do you see Messer Ozil just as he's been left out of the Europa League squad, perhaps being left out of the Premier League one too? Yeah, one hundred percent. I can't see how he he makes the Premier League squad when he's not even in the in the Europa League squad. Because you think maybe you know we give him a few games uh, to, to help us out, be part of the, the the B team almost. But it seems like he's not even going to be that. And I think it's a real shame because ultimately that means that he's going to have absolutely no involvement until he leaves the club. And it you know even though he's a very device character, I think we could agree that he's had some big moments. And when he signed, it was massive. It, it was huge for the club and it was one of them, you know, insane deals that, that, that you see on, uh, on on deadline day and it all got us so excited and he had, he, he's had a lot of good moments. So for him to sort of like tarnish that by not being in, in the team for a long time, I think it's a bit sad, but um, I just think the the club just needs to make a decision. Like you can't have him just wasting away. You either, you know, try and... Um, Get, get his contract terminated or you reintroduce him back into the squad. They obviously made the decision with Guendouzi to send him out on loan. That's done now. That's not going to be hanging over us anymore. But Ozil was still hanging over us. And I just think that's one thing, even though we had to say that it's been quite a successful transfer window, in, in my opinion anyway, that's one thing that's that's not been sorted and, and, and needs to be sorted. And look, well, I'm, I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do because you've obviously got a guy who's, you know, hell-bent on staying at the club and you, whatever way you package it, you can't force someone to leave when, when they don't want to. Especially a player, it's more complicated than a manager, isn't it? Like, he has to agree to it. It has to be by mutual termination. So, where do we go from here? I don't know. But as, you know, as a fan of, of Ozil of sorts, I'm not going to say, you know, he's my hero. But uh, as a fan of his and, you know, a, a massive goon, I do want to see him back. Yeah, I, I feel like that as well. And I feel like that because I see so much progression in what Mikel Arteta is doing. I see the development in the team. I see that we're a lot more defensively stable. And I just would love to see what Mesut Ozil can do with that structure behind him. Because we haven't had that structure for years. And we finally are in a place now where we can, uh, you know, go into games with a degree of confidence around our defence. And now we need that little bit more going forward. And... You know, I think that Thomas Partey is going to bring that, that flexibility is going to probably allow us to play in a way a little bit closer to what Mikel Arteta sees in the longer term. And let's come on and talk about that signing. Of course, deadline day signing, we've spoken about it a ton on this channel. We were all delighted. We brought you instant reaction as soon as the deal was announced. Literally 10 minutes afterwards, we were online talking about it. But I mean, is this a sign now? And we'll come on to talk about maybe Partey's role a little bit later on, but is this a sign now in your view, Mike, that the Cronkies have kind of acknowledged that actually now the club is fully theirs? And I know it has been for a while, but particularly in times like these difficult times that they had to put their hand in their pocket. And I'm not saying necessarily that they directly took money out and funded the deal, but they've obviously, as Edu was saying in a recent interview, I think it was out today or yesterday, maybe um, I watched it today in full but Edu suggested, didn't he, that it was the owners that gave this deal the green light. And they were very much backing Arsenal doing that. And that Thomas Partey was somebody who was in Arsenal's plans and Edu's plans for a long, long time. So are we seeing a shift now 
Do you take confidence from the fact that the Cronkies gave that deal the green light, that they will now support the club in the way they need to? I mean, look, I you know that I've been quite critical of the Cronkies in the past, so I don't want to completely flip-flop and say my idea of them has, has completely changed. Look, I'm, I'm happy with obviously that um, you know, we've we've made a few more signings over the last few windows. Obviously, brought in Pepe last season as well. That was that was a big, you know, uh, big outlay. Um, but if you look at it as a whole, the the whole time that they've been in power, I think obviously that there, there has been a lack compared to other big clubs, and you know, just the discrepancy of what was sort of promised um, when we when we first moved into the to the stadium, and then where we are now. It's obviously a big, um, you know, gap, but. I have to look at it and say, yeah, fair enough. Maybe there is going to be a slight upturn. I'm not going to go over the top and say, you know, I, I, I suddenly love them, but it's going in the right direction. I think that's also because of the different structure they have in place. Obviously, Josh Kroenke is more involved now. Um, they completely, you know, changed their structure. Raul came in, um, but that's that's all changed now. So I've got to say, from where we look now, the team we've got available, I would say it looks better going towards the future. And for me, I have to agree with you in the sense that Party is is a is a statement signing because we've needed that player for so long. And don't get me wrong, like personally, I wanted Alwa a bit more than Party because I think his ability, his creative abilities, we craved a little bit more. But I still think that Party is a massive, massive statement, a massive player for us. We'll bring a lot to the squad, which we'll talk about later. But I'm just going to say I'm not going to go too over the top on, on the Cronkies because I still have a lot of reservations about them. Wouldn't it have been, and I'm not defending them here, I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate so that we can have the, the sort of in-depth discussion. Would it, wouldn't it have been far easier for them this time around than in previous transfer windows to kind of hide behind the financial situation given COVID-19, the impact it's had on the game, the loss of revenue that all clubs are facing? It would have been easier for them this time, wouldn't it, than it has in previous years to to take a step back and say, we're not going to make that investment. And here is why that, you know, there would have I mean, from my perspective, I can't speak for everybody else, but I would have been a little bit more understanding, I think, this year than in previous years because of what's going on in the world. So the fact that they've gone the opposite way, I'm not saying we should be jumping up and down or, you know, like you said, getting carried away with what they might do in the future. But it is a positive sign, isn't it? Yeah, I would say that. Look, it's been a, a very difficult time financially. Obviously, the revenues have, have, have dropped massively. But um, I still think there's a, there's, a, there's a difference between, you know, trying to, you know, balance the books in, in, in terms of a pandemic, but also investing in, in your product. Because ultimately, if there wasn't that investment, just think about where we would have been and think about how far we could have fallen even further than we than we did last season. And I think that it, there's an element of that, understanding the this, this situation that we're in, understanding that, look, you've got like the, a prospective really good manager here. If you don't back him, you could potentially lose him to a top club next season. And then where are we going to go from there? So, look, I'm not trying to say that I'm, I'm not happy with, with what they've done. Um, but I'm just sort of tempering my, my expectations because I know that it's not going to be a situation where, you know, they're going to back us with hundreds of millions in signings, which we probably need to get back up there challenging to, for the top. But I think they're taking a different approach to it. And I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I just think that's that's where we are as a club at the moment. 
um, where we can get like maybe like a marquee signing, but we're not going to have loads and loads and loads. But I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, agreed. I mean, do you take more encouragement from the fact that Edu is is so sort of influential at the club now, and the fact that Mikel Arteta was promoted to a manager? The pair of them seem to get on really well. They seem to share the same kind of philosophy. And listening to Edu talk in that interview, and I don't know if you've seen it or not, but I took a lot of confidence from what he was saying. And he feels to me like someone who is very sort of shrewd, um, you know, does what he says he's going to do, um, very active, proactive, I should say. And, you know, he, he's very much, he, he, it feels like he's got people around him. He's got a little group, a little team around him. Uh, and you could see from the confidence he had about sort of getting the parte deal done at the sort of 11th hour that he really believes that when he, like, you know, when he wants something, he's fixated on it and he makes it happen. Yeah, I would say that. And I think you were sort of alluding to that uh, that picture that he put on Instagram with like, the, the team. And he was saying, you know, it's not just me. We've got a massive team that that, that, that deals in the transfers, a legal team and the, the, the contract people and everyone. And yeah, it, it feels like we're back to that sort of um, like fluent system where we've got people working together. There's not massive disagreements. And the fact that the manager is now back involved in the transfers. I think that that's a massive thing because I think party was uh, Emery won in part, party last year. And look, I don't usually praise Emery, um, but he he wanted him and the club went against him and, and signed Pepe in, instead. So the fact that you've now got a manager that's in line with the people making the decisions on transfers, I only think that's, that's a good thing. Obviously, we had that for a long time with Wenger. Maybe he was, you know that wasn't necessarily the best idea towards the latter stages of his career. But the fact we've got a young, hungry manager now, Arteta, that knows his squad, knows what he needs and is going to actually have a big impact and big say on who he's going to get. I, I can only think that's a good thing. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. Um, just sort of relaying a couple of the quotes from from what Edu had to say. He was asked about the transfer window and he, like you said, he, he wanted to make that point that it's not just him. And he said, it's not only Edu, it's not only Mikel Arteta. We have a lot of people around us in the club and that is important to mention as well. Financial, legal, medical, recruitment, our loan manager. But he did say, uh, we cannot forget, of course, the support of which I have received a lot from the board and the owners. Without them, we cannot do much. And I feel really comfortable with the way we are working and communicating together. We are talking almost every day right now. So that is brilliant. I tell them that with that possibility to have that type of relationship, I feel much stronger. And that is the way they give to me and to Mikel as well. So that is the way we are working right now. So reading between the lines, he's suggesting that the owners haven't previously had such a close connection, I guess, with those actually running the club day to day. And that, that's got to be helpful, hasn't it? Well, yeah, and they didn't have a connection with us, Harry. And I think that's the reason why um, a lot of fans just, well, let's be honest, completely hated them and, 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 and wanted them out to, to a point where, you know, it got to protest because we didn't know anything about them. There was no connection. Um, we weren't getting any big money signings in. We were losing all of our big players. But ever so, I've, as I said before, I've noticed the change since Josh came in because obviously he came in um, you know, took over his uh, his dad's role as being more prominent, um, and he done that interview, didn't he, where he said be excited, and then we signed Pepe, and I think from then on, I'm just going to judge them from there. I'm going to wipe off, you know, 
to a point what the, what they've done before and give them a chance now to say, you know, you've got this new structure in place. You've got Josh taking more of an involved role. I'm going to give them a chance. And from what I've seen so far over the last two years, I can only say that I've been I've been happy. Let's see how committed to getting us back to the top they really are. Because don't forget, you know, we've signed party, but let's not forget where we finished last season. We finished in eighth. So let's, let, let's be a bit realistic about that. There's a long, long way to go. I think we will get back into the Champions League this season, but it's going to be hard. So let's, like, I, I know Arsenal fans are going mental. You know, they're, they're, they're really, really excited about partying. So am I, but we want to get back to the top. We don't want to be challenging for the top four. It's going to take a long time. So let's just see where, where we go from there. Yeah, indeed. It's going to take some time. It is going to take some time. But at the rate we seem to be progressing, at least under Mikel Arteta, fingers crossed, it isn't too long. Um, we've heard about the, the Kieran Tierney situation. Um, of course, uh, there was a coronavirus case in the Scotland camp and he was told to isolate. He released a statement that he was really, really frustrated because he tested negative. Um, he's followed all the protocols. Is this just something, Mike, that we're just going to have to put up with in football now, that from time to time they're going to be absentees because of this virus, but is it, in your view, too early to say maybe we should stop football again? Because I, I certainly feel that way. I feel like, given the sort of prominence of this virus at the moment, that we just got to keep going, and and there will be some cases, but we'll have to just kind of manage those situations as and when they come. I think definitely something that we could have done without is the international break. I mean, you know. It just doesn't make sense to me, like players jetting all around the different countries, uh, intermingling with uh, with different squads. For me, the only way that it works is if you have your your bubble with your team and you try as best as you can not to mix with with, with other people. And it was working, wasn't it? Like last season, I know obviously like the, the, the infections have gone up recently, but like why do they feel the need to to play these internationals because they're not they're not delayed them to a different time i understand some of it has got to do with, with qualifying for the euros but i don't think that's the that's the priority at the moment and obviously with Tierney, we're, we're seeing it um i think three liverpool players have, have tested positive for it now and maybe it is getting to a stage where it's going to get higher and higher but it's just about them keeping to their bubble t uh, yeah. testing all the time and then seeing but no like obviously i don't want to see football stops i mean it was disastrous um, yeah. for us on, on on many levels so I hope I hope not I hope it, it stays alright for the moment yeah same here um, and I think you're right to make that point about sort of the international game at the moment is it really needed and you know alright let's say that the qualifiers have to be played then play the qualifiers but what's the need for all the friendlies do you know what I mean there were so many managers who they struggled sort of to finish the season because of all the disruption they then have a very short turnaround and now, what, four weeks into the season, they're having to say goodbye to their players who not only are not going to be on the training ground for them to work with, but they're now at a greater risk of, of contracting this virus, which could have knock-on effects. And it just seems nonsensical and, and really sort of naive um, from the footballing authorities, particularly when, in my view anyway, the interest in international football, unless it's a tournament, has just dipped dramatically i genuinely think that um just one other thing i wanted to get your thoughts on uh, before we sort of take some questions from the listeners mike um actually this gives me a good time to to get you guys to put your questions 
in the live chat. If you've got any questions that you want to put to myself or Mike, uh, put them in the live chat. Put a queue at the beginning so I can pick them out nice and easily. And uh, we will uh, we will get through as many of those as we possibly can in the allotted time. Uh, just a quick reminder as well that this podcast is sponsored by manscaped.com so if you want your body hair to look as trim as lush but hopefully not as green as the emirate stadium pitch then get yourselves one of these bad boys it's the lawnmower 3.0 here do you want to hear the sound there you go lawnmower 3.0 comes with all the trimmings all the little bits uh, all the different sizes you get ball deodorant with it anti-chafing cream whatever you want um it comes in a wonderful pack it's a great gift for someone as well um and uh yeah if you are interested if you want to check out their products head over to manscape.com and if you enter the discount code that is rolling across your screens now it's chronicles afc all one word all in capitals you will receive 20 percent off as well as free shipping. So uh, that will save you a fair bit of money. So if you fancy checking out manscaped.com, head over to their website, enter our discount code and uh, have a look. Right. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts on one other story, Mike, and it's something I came across today whilst working. Um, Fabrizio Romano has been talking about the fact that actually Barcelona were interested in Ainsley Maitland-Niles during this transfer window, that they considered making a move now Fabrizio Romano does get some things wrong but he does get quite a fair uh, amount right as well so I, that's why I'm kind of paying attention uh, to this story maybe a little bit more than I should but we were talking about Ainsley Maitland-Niles weren't we sort of at, at a point last season and we were saying that his attitude is all wrong and he's got no future at Arsenal and he's gone from that to being an integral squad member and somebody that Barcelona are looking at what a transformation yeah, I mean, look, I don't, to be honest, Harry, like the window shut on Monday. I'm sick of transferring. I'm sure you are as well. <laughs> Absolutely. I know, I know, I know, obviously, it's, it's good for us from a work, work perspective, but my God, does it get boring at times? But yeah, I mean, mate, in terms of making love's transformation, it's been, it's been crazy because wasn't it in, you know, by around February, March time that, Arteta dropped him from the squad and he was saying, you know, you've got to work harder to get back into the team. To now, like playing obviously a massive role in, in the FA Cup as well. Um, uh, you know, playing as left wing back where he maybe particularly didn't want to play. I mean, it's incredible, to be honest, but it just shows you, I want to put it so a bit more credit, obviously to make the nose, but a bit more credit to Arteta as well, because... Just how like crazy the transformation of multiple players have been from Xhaka being booed off by by his own fans to then um, starting a, a League Cup game as captain. Like what a transformation that has been. Mustafi turned from like one of the most hated defenders uh, ever at Arsenal to being probably one of our best. I mean, Arteta's got people flip flopping from left, left, right and centre on these players. So it it just shows you that the impact that that he's had convinced Aubameyang to sign a new contract when it looked like he was going to go to Barcelona. So no, it didn't surprise me that that people were interested in Maitland-Niles just based off his performances, based off his versatility, um, he, his, his work rate on the pitch. Um, you know, his his skill is obviously there to see where it's always applied it and in the right position or you know at for ninety minutes a game. It's that's that's something he has to improve on, but. Now, it doesn't shock me, to be honest. Yeah, I, I was initially shocked when I read it. And then the more I thought about it, I thought, no, actually, 
you know, not only has he performed well, but versatility as well is something that I think a lot of managers look for. And particularly in a day where football is probably more tactical and, and, you know, than it's ever been. Having that flexibility is a, is a real key uh, component and something that managers will no doubt be on the lookout for. Um, let's let's pick a couple of questions. Um, I'm just going to pick a couple at random before we wrap up. Uh, Aeson says, would you have preferred Sumare instead of Partey if we could have got a war? Can't stop thinking about being a better deal. Mike, I don't know about you. Um, I'll get your take on this as well. For me, I don't know a great deal about Sumare. For me to sit here and say that I would have preferred him on, uh, you know, over Thomas Partey. I think that whilst I was on board with signing Awar as well, I kind of always stuck to the line, particularly on the transfer update show, that for me, I felt that Partey would give you that immediate transformation, whereas Awar, as good as he is, would have maybe taken a little bit longer, um, being a bit younger, a bit less experienced, probably... You know, I know he plays for a big club in France, but hasn't competed necessarily at the level that Partey has under Simeone, you know, in the Champions League at the key stages. I kind of lean towards Partey in the battle between those two. So for me to say that I would have preferred Samare, I, I don't think I can say that. What about you, Mike? No, I, I agree with you there. I mean, Samare, I've heard, is a very good prospect. I think he's only about 21, 22. Um, and I kind of get where where uh, the question's coming from because if you look at what we're what we're trying to build there's there's a lot of young players there and maybe and he does fit that that profile that maybe we're looking for quite similar to party but defensive midfielder you know fairly big but can progressable forward as well but i think in terms of what we need now party is the is the one because he's in his prime he's he's 27 yeah as you said he's played at the, at the highest level um, played under one of the most, you know, toughest managers. And if he can survive and thrive under Simeone, then he can he can thrive anywhere. And um, I actually think, because just re- reading sort of like the, the, the coverage around it, it sounds like we're going to even, you know, be a bit of a step up for him in terms of how he wants to play. Because I think he wants to be a bit more attacking, doesn't he? And get, you know, not have such a restricted role. Uh, that that he had under um, under Simeone, so I think if anything, we're going to be getting a bit more out of him. So no, I, I think overall party, yeah, over over um, Samara. Yeah, agreed. Um, let's move on to this one from Anonymous T. Um, this has been a big story lately. Jack Wilshire, of course, uh, terminated or had his contract terminated, depending on what way you look at it. But it was a mutual agreement between the former Arsenal man and West Ham United to end his stay at the London Stadium. Should we bring Wilshire back home. I'm going to start off by saying absolutely not. Um, I really liked Jack Wilshire at one point, but I think I've realised pretty early on in his Arsenal career, actually, that injuries and fitness was going to be a major, major issue. There's been no sign of that improving with regards to Jack Wilshire. He says that he's fit. He says that he's been available to play and not been selected at times. For me, it's it's too much of a risk and, and we're trying to move on. We're trying to build... You don't go back to an ex, do you? <laughs> Speak for yourself, Harry. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you definitely don't. Um, look, I love Wilshire and I love what he represents. He's Arsenal through and through. Um, I'll never forget when we won that that FA Cup and I went to the parade and he was there, you know, singing about Tottenham. I mean, as an Arsenal fan, is there anything much better than that? Having, having one of your own. 
um, you know, it's completely loves the club, but it would be that, wouldn't it? It'd be a, a nostalgic purchase, maybe one that would be a bit emotional. And as you said, we're, we're trying to move forward. We're trying to do something different. We're not trying to, you know, uh, make the same mistakes that, that we have made in the past where we, we did things for, for, for reasons other than just wanting to progress and being a bit ruthless. And you can, you can actually draw comparisons a bit with, with Ozil because maybe if Wenger was still here, Ozil would still be playing. In, in fact, I think, I, I think he would be playing. I think it's, it's fair to say that Wenger loved Ozil. Um, but we want to move in a different direction. We want to make it clear to all of our players that you've got to give 100% on the training pitch and in the games to be able to, to, to be in with a chance. So I, I feel like we've, we're shifting mentality. And um, I, I always said as well, when, um, when we had Wilshere um, and he was you know, in and out of the team, I think Man City came in for him one year and they were looking to pay about 30, 40 million. And that was a lot of money at that stage. And I said, sell him because his injury record you know, speaks for itself. You're not going to get 30, 20 even games out of him. So why even bother? So no, at, at this stage, I wouldn't. I love Wilshere, but no, I wouldn't take him. Yeah, me too. Um, this final question from uh, Ameya, and we said that we thought the kind of transfer talk had disappeared with the closure of the window, but we are being linked with some players in the division below us from the championship. And um, we could also see maybe some of our players, potentially William Saliba, uh, moving on and joining uh, one of the championship clubs. But Ameya's question is, what about Todd Cantwell as an alternative for Awar? Everyone is talking about Awar, but we've only seen him in a few matches. He might be good, but the sample size is small. I think I agree with what you're saying when you say that people haven't seen a lot of Hussein Awar. I don't think many Arsenal fans can put their hand on their heart and say they watch a lot of league and football. I certainly don't. Um, and so, bar the odd Champions League game, the odd big game against the PSG or somebody like that, and YouTube compilations, I can't say I've seen a massive amount of Husamawa, but Todd Cantwell for me is, I don't know, I feel like Todd Cantwell is slightly overrated. Um, it feels like he's one of those players that we'd end up paying like an English premium for when is he actually that good? For what Norwich would want for Todd Cantwell, I feel like we could go get someone from the continent who'd be a lot cheaper. Now, I know we've got this issue in the squad about non-homegrown players and stuff, and maybe that does play a part, but Todd Cantwell, when I hear that name, I don't instantly think, yeah, I want him at Arsenal Football Club. What about you, Mike? Yeah, and I think if you're bringing in someone like that, you're prohibiting the chances of someone like Emil Smith-Rowe. And, you know, he is a, he's been a massive academy talent, obviously hasn't had a chance in the first team, but why would you bring someone in of similar profile. I know I know Cantwell had a had a fairly good season for Norwich and got linked with like a lot of big clubs and that's fair enough. Um but I want to see players like Smith Rowe. I want to see uh, Saka even maybe play in a in a in a more creative role, which to, to be fair he has been doing, isn't he? Because he's been coming inside and, and playing as a sort of number eight. I think he can get better at that. So I don't really understand the sort of the the clamour for just more signings. Why don't we sort of look to what we have. Obviously, we missed out on our. We can still go for him at, at, at a later stage. But we obviously had party as a priority. I think at this stage, we need to just trust in 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 uh, Arteta and what he believes. Um, but just just talking about Cantwell, if we're gonna like be a bit speculative, I would rather go for for Buendia 
I think yeah. he's probably more of, of a better fit if, if we're looking at players from the championship. A lot um, of people are saying that in the chat as well. Yeah, I think yeah, I think Buendia will probably more, more of a smarter pick. I think he's got a bit more about him than Cantwell. And as, as you said, when you when you're getting English players, you're playing that you're paying that English premium. Like with with Max Sarans as well, I think we were we were linked with, but he would have cost like thirty forty million. I just don't think it's worth it. Yeah. No, I don't disagree with any of that. Um, right. That brings us to the end uh, of another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Mike, it's been brilliant having you back on, mate. And um, hopefully we can do it again very, very soon. And we don't leave it so long this time. Um, love to get you back on in the next few days as well. And we're going to be bringing you as as many of these as we possibly can during the uh, international break. We're going to do a little bit of a deep dive into how I think that Thomas Partey will fit into Arsenal's side. A little bit of a tactical look at what Mikel Arteta may do with him and uh, and what he will bring to the table. So stay tuned for that. That'll be coming, um, I think, probably on Monday now because it is Friday tomorrow and it's the weekend. And being an international break, I've finally got a weekend off, so I'm looking forward to it. So I'm going to put my feet up for that one. Um, Mike, thanks again. How can people uh, give you a follow and keep up to date with your brilliant work? Yeah, so uh, follow me on Twitter. It's uh, at Mike underscore Stavro, S-T-A-V-R-O-U. Brilliant stuff. Fantastic. A big thanks to all of you guys. Uh, a big hello to all our Irish listeners who are urging on the Republic of Ireland at the moment. Good luck to you guys um, in tonight's European qualifier. Uh, if you're listening via the audio later on, give us a uh, give us a review and uh, we'll be back very, very soon. So until then, stay safe. Take care. All the best.